Hi, I'm Kathy Vidal. I'm the Undersecretary of Commerce for Intellectual Property and the Director of the United States Patent and Trademark Office. And you are listening to IP Fridays. Hello, and welcome to this episode of IP Fridays. Our names are Ken Suzanne and Rolf Clayson, and this is the podcast dedicated to intellectual property. It does not matter where you are from, in-house or private practice, novice or expert. We will help you stay up to date with current topics in the fields of trademarks, patents, design and copyright, discover useful tools, and much more. Suzanne and I are welcoming you to episode 144 of IP Fridays. Today's interview guest is Kathy Vidal, Undersecretary of Commerce for Intellectual Property and Director of the United States Patent and Trademark Office. I'm very happy that I was able to talk with Kathy about several topics that are on her mind. But before we jump into this interview, I have news for you. The first decisions of the Unified Patent Court are published and a lot of these are preliminary injunctions. Not surprisingly, preliminary injunctions at the Unified Patent Court seem to be quite popular since you can get a preliminary injunction in 17 countries and seven more countries are signatory states to the UPCA. So they are expected to ratify the agreement soon. So then you can get a preliminary injunction in a total of 24 countries within the EU. The USPTO has reached an important milestone. The USPTO has issued the one millionth design patent to Augustina Huckabee of Fort Worth in Texas. The applicant seems to be a licensed cosmetologist and has protected a dispensing comb. Also, the new patent center at the USPTO website is replacing legacy systems, especially private pair and the EFS web system. Facebook parent Meta is once again facing charges of trademark infringement in the US. The service company Metabyte sued the social media company about a week ago in a California federal court. Netflix infringes a Broadcom video patent. The digital content provider Netflix has been told to stop streaming certain video services in Germany by the district court in Munich because of patent infringement, according to Broadcom. Now let's jump into the interview with Kathy Vidal. Today's guest is Kathy Vidal. She is currently serving as the Undersecretary of Commerce for Intellectual Property and is the Director of the United States Patent and Trademark Office, the USPTO. And we met during the INTA meeting in Singapore, where you agreed to be here on IP Fridays. Thank you for being here, Kathy. Thanks for having me. Yeah, so I have some questions for you as the as one of the most prominent people in the IP world, <laughs> worldwide. Um, so... What, what, in your opinion, are some of the issues that you are working on to advance uh, during your tenure as the USPTO director? So thank you for that question, Rolf. And I will say that everything we're working to advance is set forth in our strategic plan. So that is something that we released recently. And we just 
tore down the last one and built up a brand new one. So everything in there is fresh. It's new. It's not just an update. And if I were to think about it at a higher level, uh, part of it is three concentric circles. So we want to incentivize more innovation for more people, especially in key technology areas. I would say that's the first circle. The middle circle is we need to make sure we have an IP ecosystem that works. So that's everything from uh, what we do around patents and trademarks to the PTAB, to the TTAB, to all of it. And then on the third circle, we need to make sure we bring that innovation from the first circle to impact. So that's all of what we're doing for the first three circles. If you look at the plan itself, in addition to those three circles, it has two other pillars. One is that we need to make sure that there are efficiencies in the system. So anything related to abuses of the system or counterfeiting or piracy, we need to attack all of that to make sure the system is efficient. And lastly, we need to make sure we take care of our people and the stakeholders. And so that's our that's our first fourth pillar. So if you look at everything we're doing, and I'm happy to dive deep into any one of those, they fall within those five pillars. Yes, I wanted to uh, especially ask about you. You are promoting women in IP and you have um, um, a council for inclusive innovation, the women's, um, yeah, the council for inclusive innovation and the women's entrepreneurship initiative. Maybe can you talk about these? Of course. So the Council for Inclusive Innovation is very broad. It's about making sure that everybody who has not traditionally participated in the innovation ecosystem is brought into that ecosystem. So what we are doing is knocking down barriers and creating incentives. So through that, we're doing everything from reaching out into libraries across the country to make sure there's patent and trademark resources and copyright resources to um, making sure that if somebody is new to the IP ecosystem, we pay more attention to them. We help them get their patent more quickly. Uh, and then uh, in addition to CI Squared, which is broader, we started the Women's Entrepreneurship Initiative, which I founded with the Secretary of Commerce, Gina Raimondo. And that is focused around women, but it's not exclusive to women. So I always say it's inclusive, but not exclusive. And by shaping that around women, the participation rate of women is about 90%, about 10% of those who participate are men, which is great. We're not at all trying to exclude anyone. Um, and through that program, what we're trying to do is identify the additional assistance a woman entrepreneur might need in order to start a company, to bring products to market. And so it's everything from making sure that they're educated on IP rights, that they have the resources to secure their IP, that they're aware of all of our, everything that we offer under CI Squared, include, including pro bono help, so free lawyers, um, but also thinking about mentorship and funding, because we know that when people go to start a company, first of all, they may not be thinking of IP, so they need to think about that first and foremost, but also to make sure that they have the resources necessary and we equip them with the skills to go out and get the funding, whether it's from government resources or the private sector, so that they can build their company. So that, that's what our WE initiative focuses on. Yes, um, and and you have a lot of a uh, lot of these projects going on. Uh, you, we just talked about two of the projects. Um, what is the project that is closest to your heart, where where you really burn for? Let's say. <laughs> now, now, Rolf, that's like making me pick my favorite son. So. No, 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 no. Okay, sorry, sorry for the no, question. No, no, no. I mean, the, the, the projects are really, really interesting that I saw. So. Um, 
So Maybe you I, want to want to talk about some more, like like uh, like two or three more favorite projects or some, sure, some sure. important so projects. I, I will say they're all my favorites, and for right. different reasons. they're for different reasons. So, um, you know, I am a nerd at heart. So, and I like systems at work. I believe in intellectual property. So, anything that strengthens the e the IP ecosystem, I feel very passionate about. Um, so, that's everything from our request for comment for robust, robust and reliable patents to the work that we're doing with the PTAB. You know, anything where we can make the process better and stronger. Uh, it also includes the decisions I render on director review where I'm trying to make sure that we're providing you know, a fair process that takes all the considerations into account that provide due process. And so all of that I get really excited about. In addition to that, uh, certainly the initiatives to broaden the ecosystem, I feel very passionate about. And you know, on that part, it's more of an opportunity to do things that have never been done before. So we are creating the first ever design patent bar. So very excited to do that because you do not need, I mean, I have a master's in electrical engineering. You do not need that to practice in the design patent space. And so we want to make sure we align the criteria and open it up for more people to be able to practice before the office. We also expanded the criteria for the um, for the patent bar itself. In, in fact, when I was at INTA, I was on a rooftop deck and a fellow colleague that I used to work with came up to me and said, I've got a computer science degree. Thank you. Thank you for doing that. Um, and then beyond that, we're also expanding the criteria to practice before the PTAB, all keeping in mind that we want excellence. We don't, we're never going to lower our expectations or what we expect from people. But right now there's barriers that just should not exist. Um, in addition to that, I am on the National Advisory Council of Innovation and Entrepreneurship or NACI. And we are working on a national entrepreneurship strategy. And this is led by uh, EDA, uh, our sister agency. And so having that in place, which we're putting in place before November, it's going to be really instrumental to making sure that entrepreneurs across the country have support. And then beyond all that, there's so much great work that I do in the U.S., but we do so much work overseas as well. We we want to make sure that we're in countries. I just returned from Brazil and Chile. I was in, as you know, I was in uh, Southeast Asia. And finding out from our stakeholders how we can work together across boundaries to make sure, across borders, to make sure that our systems are strong, they're robust, that we're helping where they can't, we can, uh, that we're learning from people that may, may have ideas that are different than ours. So the international focus is also something I feel strongly about. And, you know, bottom line, it's all about the end product of the U.S. being very competitive, the U.S. being strong, promoting national security, and us working with our ally countries on that as well to help them with the same. Yes, and and talking about the allied countries, you just came back from, or just a month ago, from the IP5 meeting in Hawaii, where you hosted the IP5, and so probably you talked about the the bigger challenges in the field of intellectual property on a global scale. Um, so, what are the, in your opinion, what are the biggest challenges that uh, I, the IP world is facing on a global scale at the moment? So. Let me just break that down into two parts. So I would say there are the biggest challenges the IP ecosystem is facing, and then there's the biggest challenges the world is facing that we need IP to help us get there. So I'll take that second part first, because that's what we focused on when we were in Hawaii. And we chose Hawaii because it's a unique ecosystem 
with different climates, different environments that has the challenges that we see across the globe. And so when we brought together IP5, which if everybody doesn't know, it's the five largest IP offices in the world. So it's US, Europe, Japan, Korea, and China. So we were hosting and we made the topic of discussion climate. Now, I wouldn't say climate is the biggest issue that IP is facing, but it's the biggest issue, in my view, that the world is facing. You, know, you need to look no further than this year, right? We had the hottest day on record on Earth. When I was in Chile recently, they were facing massive floodings. After we left Hawaii, we had the horrible fires in Lahaina. You know, even in D.C., we had we had fires in Canada that were affecting air quality in D.C. So, um, so this is something that we need to solve for, and we can't solve for it country by country. We need to work together. So what we did at that meeting is we didn't just meet and talk about updates and um, do just a perfunctory meeting. We decided we want to make some impact here, and we want to share our learnings with every other country. So we created a brochure. If you go to the IP5 website, we created a brochure on what all of the different regions, China, Europe, Korea, Japan, U.S., what we're all doing to try and solve for climate change. And then we, we started that as a basis of discussion with other countries on what more we can do. We also talked about the WIPO Green Initiative, which is a, an initiative by the World Intellectual Property Organization, WIPO, that creates a marketplace for green technology. Because back to my three concentric circles, it's great to incentivize and promote more innovation, including in key technologies like green technology, but you can't stop there. You need to protect that innovation with IP and you need to get that innovation to impact. So those are some of the things that we're working on. Now, when you talk about the IP ecosystem, um, if I think about the biggest challenges, and I would say anything that's a challenge, I'm an optimist, anything that's a challenge is also an opportunity, right? So to me, there's a couple that stand out. One is AI, right? AI is, is an opportunity to do so much good for the world. It's also a challenge. We need to rethink how we're patenting, what the criteria are, who's an inventor, what's obvious, who's a person of ordinary skill in the art. How do we train data? What, what data is available? How do we compensate people? There's a lot of questions around AI. So that's a huge focus that, that I have. It's a huge focus that the Biden administration has. In fact, the president has announced that he is going to issue an executive order soon on artificial intelligence. Uh, you know, he met with numerous large companies to try and get commitments from them, and he got commitments from them. So AI, to me, is one of the biggest challenges. The other biggest challenge to me and it has it's multifaceted, is to make sure the IP ecosystem is being used for good and is having the impact it was intended to have. So we were the first country on the planet to build the IP ecosystem into our founding country, our founding documents. Right. So that was that was monumental. And now we need to make sure that we're actually serving the purpose of putting them in there, that that people respect IP, that they understand it, that they're using it in the right way to get the ideas to fruition, to bring them to market, that they're not blocking their licensing, they're actually making product themselves. So that's another thing that we're working on as well. Wow, yeah, that's that's truly a really big issue, of course. Um, so you are, but you're also um, often addressing the issue of expanding the reach of the patent system to underrepresented groups. Or, or, or poor people or other underrepresented groups. What are your approaches to that issue? So that is a very multi-pronged approach. And I will say the bottom line is 
we need to meet people where they are. We need to meet them where they are geographically. We need to meet them where they are in the stage of their development. We need to meet them where they are in terms of the language that we use. So we don't use some of the language that you and I have been tossing around that an ordinary person would not understand. And so uh, we are doing everything from getting into our school systems. So the USPTO has an arrangement with the National Inventors Hall of Fame. We've educated over 340,000 children this year on IP education, entrepreneurship education, innovation education. And, and these are kindergarten through sixth graders. You know, at the end of a one-week course, these kids are asking things like, how do I protect my merch on the internet? They're smart. They have great I got, I got the thumbs up for those for those who cannot see Rolf. I got the thumbs up. Um, so they can't, they can't, um, you know, they've got the great ideas. And when I go into these schools, I went to a school in Hawaii and one of the nine-year-olds was talking about his idea of developing gloves that would suck in plastic particulates as you swam in the ocean. Another, a girl talked about having bags for space that would dissolve so you don't have space waste. I mean, these kids at ages 9, 10, 11 have amazing ideas. And I'm sure if we reflected, we had amazing ideas at that time. It's about making sure we bring those ideas forward and just cultivate the idea that, yes, you're going to have to learn a lot of stuff and cram a lot of stuff in your brain through school, but keep that, keep that energetic entrepreneurial spirit with you as you go forward and know you can benefit from it. And then also understand what intellectual property is and make sure you're not violating it. So we're also trying to change the narrative around counterfeit goods and piracy starting in those initial classes. You know, beyond that, we want to make sure we're supporting people everywhere. So we've got a huge military initiative right now. I'm going to Rota, Spain soon to go on base and talk to uh, military spouses, veterans, people in the military about how they can optimize their ideas and create companies. And um, I'm going to San Diego soon. I've, I've done this around the world and I'm continuing to do it so that we bring our military into the ecosystem. And you're right. It's, it's about everyone. It's not about specific demographics. We want to bring women in. They're probably the largest category of people who are underrepresented with right now about 11, 12, 13% of uh, patentees on, on U.S. patents are women. When we go out and meet people where they are with all of our services, including pro bono, where they can get free legal counsel, that number jumps to 43%. Uh, we've looked at some other demographics. So um, the percent of people who benefit from that who are African-American or Black is 35%, 14% Hispanic. But it's not just about those types of demographics. As you know, it's people who are maybe under-resourced. It's people who are in areas of the country where there's not as much innovation going on. So we're, we're focused on the entire ecosystem. Like, how can we, uh, from cradle to grave, make sure we're supporting people, that we're helping them cultivate their ideas and teaching them how to bring their ideas to market and create jobs? That's great. That's really great. I, I love these all these approaches that you take. Um, so, um, one last question I have. Um, uh, um, so, how, in your opinion, can we best strengthen the IP rights, such as patents and trademarks? What are the best ways, in your opinion, to strengthen IP rights? So, I would say a couple things. One, I would say we have to work across borders to do this. So, as much work as we do in the U.S., it's not going to benefit everyone if we don't do it everywhere. 
And, and same thing with other countries. And so a lot of the work that we do is we help we help some of the less developed countries write bills like Bayh-Dole and some other bills to help strengthen their IP laws. We, we just had a judicial colloquium for judges from Southeast Asia to talk about ways to adjudicate cases, to make sure that we're putting a stop and, and granting preliminary injunctions when people are doing things that, where we need to just stop the train. Uh, in addition to that, it's all about thinking about how we issue these rights and how we ensure in the first instance that they're robust. So certainly on the patent side, it's about making sure we have robust search capabilities. We're now using artificial intelligence, both for search. We've now, we, we've now collected 1.3 million documents through AI that are now in patent files that were collected as prior art. So through search, we also are using AI to make sure that the patent examiner who looks at your application is one who's skilled in that area because it's it's more complicated now. You know, in the early days, it was easy. It was mechanical or it was electrical and maybe it was a circuit or maybe, you know. Now there's such a convergence of technologies. The AI is in half of our technology center. So we need to make sure that it gets routed in the right way. So we're using AI for that as well. And we're making sure that those examiners who are faced with an application where they know some of the technology, but it's converged with another technology, can confer with others and the other technology groups. So it's about making sure that we support our great patent examiners to make sure they issue those robust and reliable patents in the first instance. On the trademark side, it's about the trademark register. We need to make sure that it's clean, that you know, all of these fake you know, products and brands that are people have tried to register that we we clear those out. We've been issuing sanctions. We've been we've been doing everything that we can to clear that off so that people can register the brand that they're using. And if they are online, nobody's going to register a brand and then go after them. That they they you know that kind of activity needs to stop. So um, with all of that, um, the only other layer on top of that is we need to make sure that the rhetoric is right. That people understand the value. That they continue to file for trademark and copyrights and patents, and they know when to keep something as a trade secret and that they're educated on all of that. Uh, the only thing else I would add on that is we need to make sure people are cyber secure because we know a lot of innovation from a lot of countries is stolen through cyber attacks. In the U.S. alone, it's the biggest way that technology is stolen from small to medium-sized enterprises. It's through cyber attacks. So I think if we focus in those areas, we're going to be really ripe to just continue to improve the ecosystem. Well, Cassie, this has been a fantastic interview, and I'm really, really grateful for your valuable time that you spent this with me um, and our listeners. So I'm really grateful. Thank you very much for being here on IP Fridays. And thank you, Rolf, and thanks for doing this, just getting the word out and educating people. You're doing exactly what we're trying to do. All right. So I get your word out now. <laughs> Excellent. All right. All right. Thank you so much. Thank you. That's it for this episode. If you liked what you heard, please show us your love by visiting ipfridays.com slash love and tweet a link to this show. We would be so grateful if you would do that. It would help us out to get the word out. Also, please subscribe to our podcast at ipfridays.com or on iTunes or stitcher.com. If you have a question or want to be featured in one of the upcoming episodes, please send us your feedback at ipfridays.com feedback. Also, please leave us a review on iTunes. 
you can go to ipfridays.com slash iTunes, and it will take you right to the correct page on iTunes. If you want to get mentioned on this podcast, or even have comments within the next episode, please leave us your voicemail at ipfridays.com slash voicemail. You have been listening to an episode of IP Fridays. The views expressed by the participants of this program are their own and do not represent the views of nor are they endorsed by their respective law firms. None of the content should be considered legal advice. The IP Fridays podcast should not be construed as legal advice or legal opinion on any specific facts or circumstances. The contents of this podcast are intended for general informational purposes only and you are urged to consult your own lawyer on any specific legal questions. As always, consult a lawyer or patent or trademark attorney. Copyright 2014. All rights reserved.